0: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch. Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today, I have a really interesting guest and that is Bill Talbot, the CMO of OpsRamp. And the reason it's so interesting is in between the time that we booked this and we jumped on together, his company OpsRamp was acquired by Hewlett Packard Enterprise, a massive organization, a massive brand. we spent a lot of time talking about what this will mean for his company, what this means for him as CMO and how to navigate that change. One of the areas that we dig really deep is his, opportunity to really enable the sellers at HP to become an extension of his sales force, and getting ready for that and thinking about how he will educate through customer stories and best scenarios to make these sellers successful. So this is a real-time conversation as Bill's digesting this as the deal is not even closed. The other part of our chat is all about his career. And there's an interesting element to his career where he was a CMO almost 20 years ago took a number of VP and director roles in between to become CMO again today, and how he focuses more on the mission than the title. And there's no question as you hear him talk about this opportunity of OpsRamp that that mission mindset leads to great things. Here's my chat with Bill. Bill, I am so excited to have you here, especially at this time, because OpsRamp just went through a very exciting event. Uh, Now, by the time this goes live, it may be a couple of months, but in the last month, you were acquired by HP. Tell us a little bit first, how did that come to be?
1: Yeah, you bet. And uh, thanks for having me on the uh, the podcast, Randy. Yeah, exciting news. So a few weeks ago, HP announced the intent to acquire OpsRamp. We're in the, the final stages of that. I think the acquisition should be closed in the next couple of weeks. So definitely by the time this airs, we will be part of officially part of the HPE family. We've actually been working. We've been working with with HPE for for a few years, about two and a half years. They invested in us as part of their what they call their Pathfinder investment. They invest in startups that you know have potential to uh, potentially one day be acquired, but you know just. to to add value to the HPE ecosystem. So we've been part of what the HPE GreenLake and the GreenLake Managed Services. So OpsRamp was kind of their recommended central, you know, monitoring and observability platform. Uh, But now that we're gonna become officially part of the HPE family, we're looking at lots of other ways for OpsRamp capabilities to be integrated into sort of current and future HPE offerings. So very excited about the, the trend that's that's fantastic
0: congrats i mean uh you know it's it's a important space that that you're in but a crowded space as you and i have talked about and and that endorsement from hp i'm sure from a brand perspective is going to go a long way i'm curious though the the opportunity that you jumped into roughly 18 months ago when you joined this company as cmo it sounds like you maybe had a vision that this was the plan and as you said there was an investment so, what was the mindset in terms of your role as a CMO this time around, in joining a company with this type of vision and mission?
1: Yeah, for sure. Great question. Yeah, I've been in this um, what's called kind of call the ITOM space, that IT operations management space for for quite a while now, and worked for some of the the biggest players in the space, including CA Technologies, BMC Software, and then was with Splunk before for, before joining OpsRamp and. Really, let me go back to question. I mean, the big reasons why I joined OpsRamp, again, I've been in the space, know all of the kind of competitors and their offerings. And what really intrigued me about OpsRamp is this is the first time in my career where I saw that this was a truly unified, organically built SaaS platform, um, which is what customers really desire, right? A lot of these other companies, including some of the ones I worked with, have a you know collection of products that are kind of most of them kind of loosely integrated. And customers really want that sort of unified, seamless experience and giving a range of comprehensive capabilities from, you know, discovering everything in their IT environment to, to starting to monitor, manage those resources and, you know, automating fixes, you know, performing automation of, of man, mundane routine tasks. And when I saw all of that in one single sort of, again, organically built SaaS platform, that, that really intrigued me. And then part of it is uh, just the 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 company and the culture, the the founder and the CEO Varma. He's a he's a tour de force, um, very persuasive guy. Persuasive enough to to get me to leave Splunk and come over and, and join him at OpsRip to uh, to lead marketing.
0: That's exciting. And and how
1: in the know were you of this plan
0: for HP to acquire? How far back did that go? Was that part of the pitch in saying, you know, Bill, we wanted you to come and be CMO and help us get to the point where HP doesn't want to just invest with us, but they want to own us?
1: No, it really wasn't. I mean, it was, you know, it was, you know, for for me to join and for us to to grow organically as an independent company. Um, In these discussions with HP, even though we've been partnered with them for a while, they really only really started, got kicked off in earnest at the beginning of this year. Um, It just, you know, There a series of these discussions and we just kept looking at it and it's, you know, this is a a very strategic growth acquisition for HPE. It's, we fit so squarely into the transformation that they're trying to go through and, and, and moving towards an as a service company with what they're trying to achieve with GreenLake. Where some great synergies are is we both go after the same persona, right? You know, HPE is selling hardware, whether it's server, storage, network devices to you know, VPs of infrastructure, you know, VPs of IT operations, and those are the same people we're targeting and selling and marketing to. So it, there wasn't there wasn't overlap. It's not, you know, HPE used to be in this business and, and they kind of started ITOM, you know, a few decades ago, but they, they spun that technology out to micro focus several years ago. So this is kind of them getting back into the the space with, again, a very you know modern SaaS-based platform that OpsRamp provides. Very exciting. Well,
0: we're going to come back to that go-to-market and what that's going to mean uh, a little later in this conversation. Sure. But I want to shift to, to your career and, and getting to this point. As you said a few moments ago, you are a veteran to the space that you're in. And what I found interesting about your career is a lot of the people I speak to, they're gunning for that CMO role. They get it. And then it's about the next CMO role and finding that perfect fit. In your case, you were a CMO almost 20 years ago and then went into roles that had any title from a director to a VP in much larger organizations. And I'm, I'm curious your advice for others in terms of how important is that C letter versus the choices you made and the reflection you have?
1: Yeah. I don't know if I have the best advice for others on it. Like I said, I've, I've kind of had a varied career and done a lot of different things. And, um, you know, my career in tech marketing, like you said, it's, you know, I was CMO 20 years ago for another startup based here in Austin, kind of a network management startup, and then joined larger companies. And, and um, you know, they weren't CMO in title, but they were basically running marketing for divisions or business units at, at larger companies. For me, though, honestly, Randy, it's just it's about the challenge, right? Is a, you know do I get excited about the work and and kind of the impact I can make? I don't get as hung up on the title. <laughs> it's not a it's not a big motivator for me. Um, is it the right company and and in a market I'm excited about with some differentiated technology that um, that we think we can um, you know that we think we can really grow. And, you know, and, and also for me, it's really important the, the the culture and the team, either the team I'm inheriting or the team I'm building, I, I really enjoy that aspect of, of seeing the people that I work with and the people on my team, you know, push them kind of outside their comfort zone and, and see them achieve things in their careers. You know, I really like to see, you know, my team grow into, into more expanded roles and take on more responsibilities. So those are big motivators for me.
0: I love that mindset. And as you said, buying into the mission and, and the team, I'm curious just a really specific question around that and, and contrasting again, the opportunity to join You you outlined the CEO being that person who sold you and brought you out of Splunk. When you join some of these other companies, who do you look for when you don't maybe have that same exposure to the CEO? in terms of getting that assurance that it's going to be that opportunity where you're going to have that passion and and buy into the mission.
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, I mean, it's obviously whoever my direct manager is going to be, right. Do I, do I gel with that person? Do I respect that person? Do I uh, think they've got a great vision for where they want to go? And then, you know, the impact that, that I and my team can make, I mean, that's, that's pretty critical. Again, I've been in the space a while, so I really look, I do a pretty deep dive on the technology itself and, and look under the covers and, you know, make sure before I join, it's like, all right, I want to see demos. I want to talk to customers, you know, I want to make sure that uh, this isn't, again, point of the finger to myself, this isn't marketing fluff. Like there's something real under the hood here that, that's differentiated that, um, you know, that, that can, we can stand apart in the market. So that's important.
0: That's great advice. And especially, you know, for someone like yourself and and many people out there who make a career in an industry uh, or with a service that is such a differentiator in terms of, as you said, calling that the, the marketing fluff, which, yeah, none of us want to call it that at the end of the day, but maybe that's what it is. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, Bill. We'll be back. We'll dig a little deeper into how you've gone to market to get to this great opportunity with HP right after this break on The Marketer's Journey.
1: Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. Named a leader in content experience by G2 and a leader in content activation by Forrester, Uberflip will help you accelerate every buyer journey by creating bingeable experiences that will allow your prospects to consume more content faster. Companies like Trimble, Wiley, and 3M are using Uberflip to power their go-to-market strategies, and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences.
0: There's not a single path that any of us have to take as marketers. As you hear Bill describe, he went really deep into a certain area and industry. Others of us may choose to go very broad and just be a marketer with passion for marketing in different industries. The key, though, is believing in the mission. And I think Bill describes that really well. Wherever you go, it is so much more fun to market a solution that you believe in. To market something where you have understanding and a grasp for the customer need and the opportunity bill talks about understanding whether the product is just fluff or whether it can actually solve that pain and i think for all of us if we put that as the single criteria when choosing our next job we'll all find ourselves in something much more fulfilled Bill, we hit on the exciting news of HP acquiring OpsRamp, Ramp. And I'm curious what this means for you and your marketing team as a next step. And I know we're still in the point where you're probably formulating what this means, but where are your where's your expectation of a shift of focus for your team right
1: now? Yeah, you hit on the point. I still we still don't know, we don't know to some degree, right, cuz we haven't officially closed, but you know, reading the tea leaves and the crystal ball a bit. I mean, I think it's, the focus is going to shift, you know, my focus and my tea's focus for the past, you know, year has some change since I've been at ops is how do we build more awareness, interest and demand for, for ops ramp, you know, solutions in a very crowded marketplace, which, you know, it's difficult to do for a small startup, as you know, it's you're, 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 you know, you're, you're trying to compete in a very noisy room. Right. So, as we shift in HPE, it's not gonna be as much around kind of that external awareness and demand gen because everybody knows who HPE is. They've got a you know, rock solid customer base that we're gonna hopefully tap into very quickly and start you know, getting more at bats for our, for our sales team. So I think the focus is gonna shift a lot towards you know, evangelism and enablement internally at HPE and, and the HPE partner ecosystem making sure they understand who OpsRamp is, what our value prop is, how to correctly position us, you know, how to ask the right sort of qualifying questions, you know, how to overcome some of those obstacles that, um, you know, customers and prospects are throwing out. So I think that'll be a lot of the shift, especially, you know, I'd say over the next, you know, six, nine, 12 months, it'll be a lot of Let's just make sure that we're enabling all the right HPE sellers and partners to, you know, correctly tell the OpsRamp story. That's interesting, and
0: and I've spoken to people before who have been acquired into much larger organizations, and there's always that excitement of the potential market that we can now reach. You know, that reach word is used so often, but yeah. I think what you're hitting on is how do you counter everything else that these sellers have in their bag? Yeah. And, and how do you rise to the top? So I'm curious, as, as you start to formulate that plan, what would you say are a couple of keys to grabbing the attention of these sellers?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I think for for sellers, you know, what they want to see is, has somebody already done this before? <laughs> they want to see some of those successes they you know they they don't want to be they don't want to be the guinea pig that sticks their neck out on unproven technology so the good news like i mentioned before we've been working with HPE for for a couple of years now you know we've got some some joint successes we can point to so you know starting to tell those of hey here's how customers leveraging both HP and Ops RAM, how kind of 1 plus 1 equals 3 right the value that we're able to deli- deliver together to those customers so I think that's going to be a big portion of it. Um, and then again, that so that's the straight sales. You know, then there's the technical sales side of the house, the SEs, the the services, support folks. That's just going to require a lot more technical enablement. And again, the whole goal there is the way we're going to be organized is we'll be a, a business unit with HPE. You know, our salespeople will kind of become ops specialists, think of it as like overlay sales reps, right? So we're just looking for those HPE sellers and and technical sellers to, you know, be able to sniff out a real opportunity, and then you know, bring in our experts uh, to hopefully take it to close, right? So that's that's where a lot of the focus is going to be.
0: Interesting. I mean, that you know, you called it evangelism earlier. The other term we often hear about is enablement, and and I think that's a big term that you're you're really describing together with those two, and and I love that because the evangelism to me is more about getting someone excited about it, yep. let alone enabling them and and i'm curious you know how do you bring your existing customers in to that conversation with these reps because it's one thing for you as you said to tell them but it's another thing they want those stories do you plan to bring customers in to meet these reps which is something that probably your existing se's etc they all know them but how do you get the hp reps to have that same relationship with your install base.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great. It's a great question and a great idea, and it's something like um, I say, I haven't thought of it, but I haven't given it as much thought until you brought it up. So, thanks for it. that's. It's actually something I've been very focused on since I came to Optrum, you know, a little over a year ago. It's like, hey, we've got these great customers that we need to turn into evangelists because I'm a huge proponent of your your customers can be your greatest sellers. If you treat them right, you know, if you deliver the value on, you know, what you promise in your marketing materials. Um, so, yeah, I mean, leveraging customers going forward and we've already, you know, we've we've had a couple of customer town halls with our customers since the news broke about HP, you know, make sure we're kind of easing their concerns and, and saying, hey, we wouldn't be here at this point without you. And, you know, we hope to continue the relationship and the partnership we have with you. So it'll be continue to be a focus. The good news is. We'll have a much bigger um, customer ecosystem that we can hopefully tap into, but that's something I've always, you know, an been throughout my career. It's like, let's make sure we're focused on the customer. It's not just a, hey, you know, we only care about you when it's you know, 30 days before renewal time. It's especially in a SaaS world, as you know, you've got to be delivering value all the time because your customers can fire you at any time.
0: So I I want to shift for the last couple of minutes here to an area that wasn't really part of our plan, but uh, but I'm interested. And again, we're in early thoughts, but how do you balance the brand that you've built in market with your customers and the brand of HP on a go forward basis? I mean, HP has such a historic brand and, and still today so much connection to buyers for authority, but at the same time with OpsRamp, you've built relevance to what you're solving how do you balance those two on a go forward basis with a combination like this
1: yeah that's a great question and it's something i have not given some thought to because we're we're in those start getting those discussions with the hpe marketing team on on branding and positioning so like i mentioned before i mean we're going to become a a business unit hp ops ramp or ops ramp you know hewlett-packard enterprise company we'll continue to operate I'm not going to say independently, I mean, we'll be, but continue to operate as as OpsRAMP because we have built a decent brand and it's it's something also that I think HPE team really values of, you know, we are being regarded and just because a lot of the work my team has done over the past couple of years of really elevating our status as being a market leading AI ops and observability and ITOM platform, right? And a modern SaaS based platform. So, HPE realizes that they want to continue that goodness, but be associated with that. Because, again, they haven't been in that space in several years. So that was a big reason for the acquisition of, hey, we need to go with the, you know, go with the market leader in this space. So we'll continue to operate. And like I said before, we'll, we're, you know, upstream capabilities will be integrated into other um, existing HPE solutions and offerings. But customers will still be able to continue to you know buy OpsRamp as a standalone solution directly from us as well. It's kind of a hybrid mix, I think, for the for you know for the next foreseeable future,
0: yeah. it makes a lot of sense in terms of trying to get the best of both. and i'm I'm curious beyond the brand itself, if we peel down one more layer and think about something as simple as you said, your buy-in to content. What does that mean in terms of your content strategy? Uh, do you see that the content that you have today survives? I, I've seen a lot of scenarios where post-acquisition that content almost falls by the wayside, and it's like we got to create new content, uh, content that speaks to this joint proposition because now we're no longer what we were. How do you envision salvaging what works and you know building from there?
1: Yeah, I mean the the content and and collateral messaging will definitely change, but. You know, the the fundamentals of it, I don't think, will because it's it's all about the problem we're solving for customers, which doesn't change. Customers need a, you know, a, you know, sort of modern, comprehensive, you know, IT monitoring and, and management, you know, platform and solution. Right. So like I said, it'll change somewhat, especially when when some of the ops Room capabilities gets integrated into other HPE solutions and offerings, and you know, obviously we'll produce content and messaging specifically about those, especially a lot of our thought leadership content, I think will stay relevant and we'll continue developing that, which is again, kind of the the way we, we uniquely solve problems that our customers have. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, Bill, generally here, I, I
0: also appreciate you answering all these questions amid so much uncertainty and, and so much of this still being new for you and the team. But it's it's interesting, yeah. nonetheless, to see how you're processing it in real time and, and some of the opportunities that are there, because I think a lot of companies in the technology space, you know, the goal is often an exit through acquisition. And a lot of the things that we're discussing today are things that many of us should always be planning for on a go forward. So I I can't thank you enough for sharing. We're gonna get you to share a few more quick rapid fire responses right after this break. I couldn't agree more with Bill's suggestion to let the customer's voice guide in terms of buy-in. Now, in his situation at OpsRamp and HP, there's gonna be the need to get these sellers to buy in. And I've done this before, even with our team. As new people come in, putting your customers in front of your team is the best way to help them understand how you're solving. We did this this past year at our kickoff. We flew in one of our customers, they got up on stage, and the passion in which they spoke about our product was even greater sometimes than the passion that I speak about our product. And I'm the biggest nut of all when it comes to UberFlow. Now, so imagine your ability to do that. Who are your best customers and how can they motivate your team today, your buyers tomorrow? Bill, this is such a real time interview in general, in terms of what's going on in your life and your career. But I want you to reflect a little bit more through the entirety of it now. And as you think about the next CMO, the person listening to this who wants to aspire to that level, what would you say is an important stop along their career to get that C level attainment?
1: You yeah, to grow into that role. I mean, I you know, like I said, I've, I've had a pretty varied career with lots of twists and turns. I mean, I've, I've been in the the, sort of the, the tech marketing world for, you know, 20 plus years now and doing a variety of things. I mean, I think something that was really important in my career is, you know, I carried a bag directly for a couple of years as a quota carrying sales rep, which I like to think makes me a more dangerous and effective marketeer when you kind of know it you know, it, in every marketing and CMO's role, I mean, if, if you're not closely aligned with sales, if you're not, you know, best buddies with a CRO, it's going to be challenging. So I think being able to understand the mindset of what salespeople people have to go through, the challenges they have to go through, I think is pretty key. I learned it as a sales rep, I don't have the DNA for it. It's, uh, I always say sales is euphoric highs and abysmal lows, and I'm a control freak. And at the end of the day, you don't have control as a sales rep, because you think everything can be queued up with a bow and ready to close. And then at the 11th hour, they're like, no, nah, we're going in a different direction, sorry. And so you've got to be very tough skinned and be able to roll with that. And that's um, something I wasn't able to to do uh, for the long term. But uh, so I retreated back into the safe havens of marketing. <laughs>
0: well, it's, it's nice to hear someone to have perspective to how safe marketing is. Because Sometimes <laughs> we, we don't feel that way when we're being questioned on ROI of certain channels and whatnot, but it's great perspective to your point. So, another area, I'd love to hit on, and we briefly touched on on the role of content and rethinking your content on a go forward post acquisition here. But I'm curious for you, what is it about content that breaks through for you today? You know the stuff that's sent to you in your inbox or the offers that are out there, what gets you to click and and lean in?
1: Great question, yeah, because it's I'm sure just like you, I probably get two hundred unsolicited emails a day, right? And 99.9% of them go in the, uh, automatically in the, in the trash folder. So, you know, I think it's, it's gotta be, I talked about this earlier, like you got to know your audience and you know, I'm expecting if someone's reaching out to me, they've done some basic level research, right? Go look in my LinkedIn profile, you know, come up with some kind of interesting intro that's going to capture my attention. Right. So, you know, somebody says, hey, I see you're a UT Longhorn alum and, you know, I was there and it looks like you did this and I'm doing that. And it's like, okay, you know, I'll probably read past the first paragraph there because it's it's something I don't, you know, get every day. So I think that's key. It's knowing your audience um, and knowing what they care about. And that's that's a big thing I see in tech marketing. I've seen in my career and I've been fighting it for a long time of, I think, too many in, in tech marketing are just inside out rather than outside in focused, right? It's all about, let me tell you what a great mousetrap and all the feature functions that we've, you know, we've, we've built into this product. Customers don't give a crap. They're not, they're not out there buying products. They're trying to find solutions for their problems. So you got to put it in terms that, that they care about. Really well put. And, uh, that personalization is so important in any
0: element of our marketing today. So, Bill, you know, let's let's keep it on the personal side. And, you know, we've talked a lot about your career journey, the buyer journey, but how do you make time for the things that are important to you at home, uh, yourself, your health, your family?
1: How does that come into play? Yeah, it's a um, great question. I mean, and it's definitely changed over the past couple of years with the pandemic, and right? I mean, it's, I'm working remotely. I have worked remotely most of my career, but um, as you know, you know, working remotely, there is no, you know, eight to six. It can go on all day long. So it's like I make conscious time to take breaks during the day, get outside, take the dog for a walk, um, you know, do a short little hike, whatever it is, which just to clear my head. And honestly, it's where some of my best thinking and ideas come about when I'm unplugged and away from the screen. So, you know, I try to stay pretty healthy. I try to work out. And, you know, I still play basketball a couple times a week, go bike riding with friends. Those type of things. I'm, I'm, you know, you may not be able to tell it from my look, but I try to stay, uh, you know, pretty physically active as much as possible.
0: Well, I like to hear that uh, that it's what wa- it's playing and not just watching. Uh, and I'm going to timestamp this podcast in so many ways now from the acquisition to the NBA playoffs going on. But you know, it's it's definitely going to be a a hot time for you. Uh, you know, and and I appreciate all the time that you're you're giving us with all those other temptations and distractions, uh, you know, to share. This has been so much to take away. And I, I think the key thing I always say is everyone's path to CMO is different. Yours clearly has its its own and everyone listening here can create their own journey. Hopefully one day you'll be here to share it, but check out all the other CMOs that I've been fortunate to speak to on this podcast, like Bill, uh, see how they've gone there and learn from them. Until next time, a big thanks to Bill and big thanks to everyone for tuning in.